Come in and celebrate Lowe's Spring Fest before it's over with four bags of select Scott's mulch for $10. Or to grow your garden, we've got four 11.8-ounce Bonnie vegetables and herbs for $10. Give your garden and lawn the full spring treatment. Spring Fest, a festival of fun and savings for your garden and total home. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Offers valid through 428 while supplies last. In-store only. Selection varies by location. U.S. only. Excluding Alaska and Hawaii. You are now listening to The Awakened Soul. Welcome to The Awakened Soul. Uh, we, we, this is a special week in The Awakened Soul because for the first time ever, we're going to have two episodes in a week. And there's a reason for that. Anyone who doesn't know, I know we have a lot of things going on with Hurricane Irma and, uh, you know, still rolling off the effects of the previous hurricane and, you know, football season started today. It's it's a lot going on today. Um, but tomorrow is the anniversary of September 11th. And so on September 11th, I have a special, a very special one off interview with a good friend of mine who is a Muslim American that will be dropping tomorrow. Um, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Like I said, it's the first time that we're doing two episodes in one week, but this week, welcome to the awakened soul. You guys know by now what this podcast is and what it's going to be. We got a lot of fun planned, uh, for today. We have, um, the cypher segment with Ralph from, oversaturated the podcast talking about Eminem and Jay-Z. It was something I put out on my Twitter. I loved his response to it. I sent him a DM. I slid in those DMs. I was like, Hey, would you be open to talking about this on the podcast? Got good responses there. So he's, he's on for this week. Um, like I said, we just got a lot of a lot of fun stuff playing. Andrew Bellows back for the Stay Woke segment yet again, which <laughs> Andrew Bellows, like my, my, uh, I call him my, uh, my usual co-defendant. That's what he is in in the in the stay woke segment. Um, on top of that, you know, we're gonna get ready. We're gonna get into our lovely opening music, which I still just love. Like I'm sorry, I'm sometimes I'm a mark for myself. Anyone who doesn't know what being a mark for themselves is, Google it, look it up. It's a wrestling term. But I am a mark for our own intro music here on the Awakened Soul. So we're gonna go ahead and get into that that opening music. And coming off the other side of that, it's gonna be me. Just coming off. Off the rip with CEO Hayes yet again. Welcome to The Awakened Soul. Let's go. All right, people. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to know how to start off this podcast. Uh, we got a few different longer segments here. Uh, so, like I said at the top, we, we got two episodes going on this week. I'm excited about uh, this podcast and what it's going to be this week, and I can't wait to hear you guys' response to it. But I did want to come off the top with a few different topics. A football season's here tailgating season whatever you want to call it the nfl is back as and i'm recording this as my bears just look terrible which that was to be expected this season um we'll we'll see how they come around with that but this is an exciting time for all sports fans um 
it, you know, uh, football's here, which means basketball preseason is just a little bit down the, down the road as well. Higher teams doing fantasy teams like this. this it's and I'm going to do my best to not let this podcast ever be dominated by sports. As much of a sports fan I am, I'm not going to allow that to happen. But this is, like I said, this is just an exciting time for for me personally. Um, so let me know. I want to hear from everyone. Who's your favorite team? Who you're rooting for? What weird picks or projections do you have going on for this season? Reach out to me. Let me know so I can argue with you and tell you why. No, I'm just playing. I I I I, I, I never. Now, almost never let anyone know or disagree with anyone about their personal beliefs in sports, unless it's why LeBron is better than Michael Jordan, because that's bullshit, in my opinion. And I will never just be quiet on that. But um, nonetheless, like I said, exciting time for everyone. So let me know what you what, what did you guys do? To bring in this opening of the NFL season. Let me know. Get at me at CEO Hayes. Uh, you can email me at theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. But moving on from a little bit of sports talk, not much. We didn't get in depth because nothing's really happened yet. I saw the new It movie by from Stephen King, um, which, you know, I think everyone has a different opinion on the, the movie that came out. It was in 1990 um, with Tim Curry. You know, me personally, I've always been someone who it's hard for me to let nostalgia kind of wear off in, in a certain extent. So I've I enjoy the movie for what it was at that time. Going back and looking at it, it's it's it's, it's really goofy and the special effects suck. But, you know, that that's to be said about all 90s movies. Um, but this new one was utterly just amazing, in my opinion. It was a great I like I like the fact I like the differences in what they did with um, Pennywise than how Pennywise was depicted in the older movie. It was closer to the book. Anyone who has not read Stephen King's it the novel, go check that one out because it's completely different from what you'll see um, in that old Tim Curry movie. And it's still a little bit different than what you'll see in the new movie that came out this past week. Um, not not huge. I think that Pennywise was depicted pretty much the same he was in the in the book there, um, but. You know, the, the, to get back into the film, I think uh, what's his name Ben Skarsgård, I believe, is the, is the guy who played Pennywise. He did a hell of an acting job with 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 Pennywise, the clown, the dancing clown. Um, from that that start, that opening scene when he's in that tour talking to Georgie, you automatically get the feel like, okay, this is not your mama's Pennywise. Like I said, for anyone who only has a, a basis of the television movie and not the book it's going to be a very big departure from from what you're familiar with um all the kids in the movie were, were acted very well my only problem with it is mike man come on the one black kid in the movie which back then you know it's dairy main not that many black people that's absolutely fine there's people in the internet raising fusses about that i, I would say go look up the source material um but just give 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 my man a couple of more scenes. That that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying make him the centerpiece. I'm not pushing that uh, just because he, he's African American. I'm just saying you know give him a couple more scenes. When you really look at the movie and you break it down, is that um, when you when you look at it, like he literally has only known these kids for like two days, and he's willing to go down in the sewers to die for them. I'm sorry if I just met you two days ago. I don't care how cool you seem. I'm not fighting a, a murderous clown. Like I'm just I'm not doing it. Hayes is not doing it but you know 
all that all that stuff um is it's taken away from what the film was itself the film was I just and I don't want to give too much away because I think this is something that everyone should definitely go see and check out. But um, like I said, Pennywise, the way that he's depicted as getting at each one of the children and getting in their heads. And it's you'll you'll see it's not necessarily about killing them. It's about breaking them down first and then murdering them like it, he plays mind games with kids. And it, it, it's it's just it's it's done very well. Uh, hats off to the director hats off to the writer you know uh, th- this this book as what i mean this movie as what it was compared to the previous film where it kind of interchanged between the kids as kids and them as adults about 30 years later this was solely just about the kids being kids and there's going to be a sequel um with them being adults and i love the way that they broke that down it, go see this movie. That's all I can say. If you're a fan of horror, I love, love, love horror movies. And I'm hard on horror movies, even though I can watch the bumfuck horror movies that come on Netflix just because I love horror movies. But I, I will say yeah, it was a piece of shit, but it was horror. Like It's kind of like it's pizza. You know, even when pizza's bad, it's still pizza. But <laughs> at least for me anyway, go check out the movie. Let me know what you guys think about it. You know, we may have a film and TV review section on it at some point. Um... Because, you know, that's what we do here at The Awakened Soul. Um, I know a lot of you guys who are listening to this, because we do film and TV, are probably like, Power. You guys didn't talk about the season finale of Power. No Power. I will say, for now, go check out Oversaturated, the podcast, um, which are friends of mine who have already done a review on that. We'll get into it uh, also here. I'm waiting because I, I kind of want to talk about that in Insecure kind of together not because they go together they're completely different shows but because of you'll see it's a theme that that i have that goes between these two shows that i definitely want to talk about as a full its own segment um but you know that's it that's off the rip with haze you know we i I love starting off this podcast just talking about some things that are that are in my mind but we are getting ready to get into the cypher with like i said ralph from the oversaturated podcast we got into a hell of a conversation about Eminem and Jay-Z and their legacies, some into music, uh, his 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 playlist that would represent his life is it's all over the place. But I think you guys will enjoy it. So we're going to get into uh, some brief music. And when we come on the other side of that, it's going to be the cypher with Mind of Ralph. Uh, I only love if brown. Play this shit while you play around with my crown. King H.O. Y'all should know by now. If you don't know, uh. But for me to rap like a computer must be in my jeans. I got a laptop in my back pocket. My pinnacle walk when I hack cocket. Got a fat knock from that rap profit. Made a living and a killing off it. Ever since Bill Clinton was still in office. With Monica Lewinsky filling on his nutsack. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cypher. We got a very special Cypher in store for you guys tonight. Uh, I also have a guest, the first time stepping into the Cypher and the Awakened Soul podcast as a whole. <laughs> Mr. Ralph himself from the Oversaturated podcast, which is turning into one of my favorite podcasts. Ralph, what's going on? Oh, nothing much, CEO, man. I appreciate you having me on. I am a big fan of your projects, man. Thank you for having me on. 
I appreciate it. Much love, man. I'm a big fan of you guys too. Um, too bad we we didn't link up and and get all this started when we both were in St. Louis because it would have been a lot easier. But yeah, it would have been a lot easier, right? But <laughs> and then I, I like to say this: like I think if if that was like a project that me and you probably could work on, you you would definitely be on the heavier side of things. Like me, I'm just lighthearted. Like let's talk about music and stuff like that like i'm cool with exactly. that <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely i try and that's the thing with uh with the awakened soul is that while i do like talking about the heavy stuff i wanted when i was thinking of the idea for this podcast i was like okay it can't be all that like no one wants to listen to all that stuff so how are we gonna how are we gonna lighten the mood let's talk about movie tv and uh and music i mean everyone loves that stuff so yeah yeah, it, it it has to be as big of a part of the podcast as everything else. Um But yeah, I'm I'm glad to have you. And we're here to talk Eminem versus Jay Z. <laughs> this is this is a big one. Like what I hear that. This is like uh yeah, we, we went right for the top on this one. Um <laughs> I don't even know what I was getting into like starting this because this is just gonna be this is gonna be deep. We're gonna um, touch with fire, man. Let's go, man. <laughs> so let's let's just start off from the top then. Your your just your personal thing, not even counting anything technical numbers in it right now. Eminem, Jay Z, who you got? Oh, Sean Corey Carter. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing else. Like, <laughs> but no, uh, but yeah, Jay Z. Jay Z. Out for me, yes. Okay, as far as like, all right. So Jay Z is he your favorite of all time? He's up there for me. He's up there. I, Where yeah. does Eminem rank on there for you? <laughs> Not even in there. <laughs> Not even really? There. Like, like really? I mean, my personal favorite. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, this, I, you know, I, this that you know we have to debate on. Like, I mean, Eminem is you know one of the greatest, but me personally, Jay, Jay's Jay. in there for me. I can understand that. That's 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 the thing about music. It's all subjective to your personal taste. That's why that's why music's so great. Um. Me personally. And the thing is that when I say I pick Eminem over Jay-Z, a lot of people take that as, oh, why don't you like Jay-Z? Let's let's not make a mistake about it. <laughs> Jay-Z is definitely in my top. Like, if anyone who doesn't, I don't really understand that. Me and Jay-Z are born on the same exact day. Like, okay. I, I have much love for Jay-Z. Much, much love for Jay-Z. Just personally, I like Eminem a little bit more. Um okay. But yeah, but yeah, that's that's just my personal thing. Um What's your favorite Jay Z song? Jay Z song and Jay Z album. Okay. Uh, well, you know my favorite Jay Z album. Honestly, it depends on the day. <laughs> like I have, like a, uh, people will probably say I'm crazy, but my favorite album is American Gangster. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even think you're crazy on that one because American Gangster is a great out. Like. The fact that he was able to pull off a concept album, I think people don't really notice that part. That part of it, and that album tells such a good story. Like it's, I love that album. Yeah, and I think uh, people uh, get it gets lost in the shuffle because it's one of the post uh, retirement albums. Yeah. So, and people don't really like, you know, it. It didn't. It, it got better over time. You can appreciate it over time. It wasn't hot when it came out. Yeah, I think that's that's where people missed the boat on it. Now my favorite Jay Z song, ooh, probably Allure, off the Black album. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. My um, so as far as Jay Z, my favorite Jay Z album. 
would honestly probably be the blueprint. And I know that's kind of typical, but I, I just I, I like the blueprint for what it was. It was him. It was him not being as aggressive as he always been, but he still had a little bit of that there. Um, and then my favorite Jay Z song, and people always laugh at me for this one because of all his amazing songs, "Can I Live" is my shit. Like that's my song that I vibe to. I'll put on "Can I Live" and just I love that song, man. The beat, the way he rapped on it, him talking before everything, the mood about that song is just me. So yeah, that's my favorite Jay Z song. Um, so flip side, I, I know you said Eminem's not in your top, but if you had to pick a favorite Eminem song, I won't even go on the album because he's not in your top. But song, what? Oh no, be? no, I, I can you know I can go down to Eminem uh, discography for you. I'm not you know <laughs> like not like that on Eminem, but like I, I'll say this: like my favorite Eminem album is probably Recovery. Um, I think at a point uh, people got down on Eminem. And people just stopped like kind of listening to him or really rocking with him because of the relapse album. Yeah. And I think about everything that was going on around him around that time. And recovery was just like a great comeback, like a great, like just, you know, whatever he whatever he did to get back on recovery. I don't know what he did if he was, you know, sober or whatever. I don't know. I just enjoyed the whole concept, the whole uh, album of recovery. Now my favorite song. I mean, I think this is very typical, but Stan. <laughs> yeah. Just the storytelling aspect of it. I think that that song was insane. <laughs> yeah, that song was. And, but, you know, from a lyrical standpoint, my favorite Eminem song is Rap God. Like, I just love the way he, he murdered that beat. Like, he, he killed that. Um, but, okay, so nowadays any any rapper nowadays that you think just in your personal opinion may ever kind of reach where jay-z is for you personally for me personally little uzi vert i'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> i swear i almost face palmed i'm like oh my god i don't even know how we can how i can spin this one <laughs> but no um honestly uh any of the new guys maybe that can possibly reach a jay-z type of status uh it's hard for me to say. I I really like what Kendrick is doing, uh, the trajectory that he's on, but he has to be able to reinvent himself multiple times like Jay-Z has. But that's the only person I honestly think that can do it. I love Cole. I love Wale. I love Sean. I love I love a lot of the new, you know, the newer guys that are established. Kendrick might be the only one that can even peak that <clears throat> yeah. to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I've said that for a while. I've compared Kendrick to Jay-Z. I think he's just going to have that longevity. Like you said, if he can mix it up, he has to find a way to stay relevant. Five years from now, he has to be still as relevant as what he is right now. I think he can do it personally. I think he has the style and versatility to do it, but he has to prove it. And uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see with that one for sure. Hopefully he can, though. Right. <laughs> God, watch it end up being somebody like Future. Just... <laughs> <laughs> like I'm glad you said that. Like Future has actually reinvented himself, if that's what you want to call it. He has. But he Future has actually progressed, and I'm not saying that like he's good, like he's progressing a good way. He's just changed his style because he didn't sound like that when he first came out. You actually, yeah. he actually was coherent. You can actually understand what he was saying. Now, okay. <laughs> that's all I got. The, well, the thing too with Future that bothers me is I enjoy Future music for what it is. But the dude can legit rap if he wants to. If he just, he can actually rap. It's just, 
you know, he's doing what he has to do to stay relevant. So yeah, that, that's that's kind of like um, your boy Aubrey uh, or Drake. <laughs> Drake yeah. Drake is frustrating to me. Like that's some, I'm surprised I didn't say Drake can be like Jay Z. I just don't I, I don't like to give Drake any uh, type of kudos because he he hasn't made any type of strides to make a classic album. And I think that you have to have that if you're going to be talked about among the greats. Yeah. At least one. Give me one. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And I'm going on a tangent. Like, I didn't mean to go like this. Oh, no, you're fine. That's that's the point of this, man. I know we have a, a brief outline of what we want to discuss, but we can go anywhere. That's that's the beautiful thing about music. It can take you anywhere. Um, exactly. So let's let's get into We're gonna. I'm going to try to mix this up between numbers and just our opinions but the first thing that i want to go into and this is just this is a number so this uh, we can we can disseminate this how we want to okay as far as sales domestic record sales we got eminem with 400 i'm sorry 48.47 million to jay-z's 31.3 million considering jay-z's released almost double the, the number of albums that eminem has yeah that's a huge number. What do you think when you hear that? <laughs> I, I, I like to think it's just in, it's overrated. Just numbers don't mean everything, and that's and usually that's the I'll be one of the first people that kind of goes to the you know numbers don't lie, numbers don't lie. Yeah, he wanted the numbers argument, but look at the content of albums. Like I think that Jay Z's catalog and. I think his best Jay Z's best albums are better than Eminem's best albums, in my opinion. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I think, it. yeah. If you if you're going off not if we're not taking sales into consideration, if you're just going off their top three albums versus M's top three, I would mm-hmm. have to agree with that. Overall, as as just an album thing, Jay Z has the better body of work there. Um, but okay, let's let's get back into some numbers. So. Highest selling rap album, Marshall Mathers LP with 11.4 million. Okay. And then we got the longest running number one rap song is Lose Yourself, Eminem with 12 weeks. Drake is the next closest one to that. And then uh, rapper with the most hot 100 number ones, Eminem with five. And this is where this is where we start getting into some more into. Uh, some Jay Z stuff is that the the rapper with the most Billboard number ones is of course Jay Z with thirteen number one albums. Yeah, <laughs> no one yeah. is even close to that. Like I like the next closest one to that. Honestly, I think. Let's see if I still have those numbers up. I think it was like MC Hammer was like the next closest one to that. MC Hammer. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. I, I, let me. I want to get it right. I don't, I don't want to put out any any fake news out there. I don't want Donald Trump to come get me. Um, let's see. Number ones. Yeah, MC Hammer is the next one closest to that. So let's just let that sink in for a minute. And this that's why numbers don't mean everything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's that's interesting that wow, MC Hammer, wow. But no, I can definitely see Eminem being one of the highest selling rap artists of all time. I, I totally get it. And I think, you know, of course, race plays into it. Right. But you actually have a white rapper that was actually good, like really, really good. And that can rap better than 95 percent of the rap industry. So, hey, <laughs> you have something that 
quote unquote America can get behind if that's you know that's the case. Uh, and then he was a, a global phenomenon, so I'm not taking. Oh, you just said domestic sales, but I know he was a global phenomenon too. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eminem was like, at, he he was a complete culture shock. Shock. I mean, he he changed the perception of white rappers forever. Like it just <laughs> now. Unfortunately, no one's really been able to capitalize since him on that. Yeah. But he definitely brought a lot of the white audience into hip hop and rap overall. Um, and then, so let, and you mentioned something, so let's get into away from numbers personal. If we're talking about just lyrics, who's the better lyricist to you between a, uh, Eminem and Jay-Z? <laughs> uh, I have to say Eminem. I'll, I, I'll go there. Eminem, um, you know, is more of a rap technician. Like he, he, he's a bar for bar type of guy, better storyteller, uh, and I think the, and I want to kind of go into that, the fact that the time that Eminem came out was like 99, that was his debut. 98, something. 99, something like that. I think that's probably when music probably was at its height, like especially hip hop too. So him being introduced in a time where I think where a lot of rap and rock was start, starting to be meshed, uh, the pop culture boom, like that teeny bop stuff that we probably, you know, I liked it, I'm not gonna lie, but it was, you know, huge then, so... Him being introduced at that point just made him, I think, you know, huger than life. But the fact that he's actually a lyricist, like he really can rap and it's diss tracks. Like he he really went at guys like, like, and that's one thing, too. Like, you know, like Eminem could rap. And then when people tried to come at him, oh, I got something for you. Like. Eminem probably has some of the best diss tracks of all time. And these aren't things that are probably on albums. Like, you really have to search for them. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, uh, just to talk about diss tracks, like, Eminem was not afraid to diss anybody. But I want to specifically talk about, everyone, they say that 50 Cent killed Ja Rule. Yeah. I have a difference of opinion. When you go back and listen to those albums, I mean, those (laughs) records, M M just, Ja Rule wouldn't even respond to Eminem. Because he knew there was no tr- there was no chance in that. He didn't want any problems with that. Now I, I want to debunk the whole myth that Eminem killed Jay Z on Renegade. I don't I don't subscribe to that. Okay, I, Renegade they they were going at different things on Renegade. Exactly, and it's just like as soon as Nas said it, oh, like Eminem killed yeah. you. No, no, no. Eminem was rapping about something else. <laughs> yeah. No. Eminem, and that was when Eminem was his most most aggressive. And at that time, Jay Z was kind of just. I'm the king. I don't need to always be mad. So they had different vibes at that time. And that, that brings us to another point is that, you know, you, you brought up the disc records. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z is the only rapper I know to come back from a diss track on the level of Ether. First of all, like that would have ended 99% of rappers careers right there. But even on top of that, Jay-Z's for the, mo- the majority of his career has been able to take the mindset of, I'm not even going to respond to some cast disses. Yeah. And and no one else has really been able to do that. Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like when Jada Kiss went at him once, um, who else? Games try. He tried to get Jay Z to respond the best he could. Jay Z <laughs> didn't even just like um, whatever. I mean, you you can go with Joe Budden. It took yeah. him a while. It took a while for Joe Budden to get him to respond. Uh, who else? Uh, it was a few guys. Uh, I don't know. I it, it's escaping me now. Like even Bean Cameron. Like, yeah, Cam. <laughs> but when he did address these guys, it's like, oh my God, you know, 
dig a hole like those type of songs. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> it's like it took him a while to finally to you know respond to these guys, but when he did, oh wow. <laughs> Exactly, and it's it's it, like nobody else has been able to have that, and I think that definitely get, gives a lot to him. Um, as far and then with Eminem, his you you said it already. He just yeah. he was trying to verbally rape you and make and make your descendants. I mean, you, you <laughs> feel it like it's <laughs> yeah yeah. Oh um, man, I'm trying to think of the one diss track. I think because it was a one beat that Fifty Cent kind of jacked. Uh, he used it for the realest niggas with uh, I think Biggie. I can't remember oh, the song, yeah. but he, Eminem. I just, I, I think it was something towards Murder Inc. Like I think, like what you yeah, said, it was on the DJ Green Lantern uh, mixtape. I remember that yes, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of the name of the song, but wow, <laughs> that's the one that comes to my brain automatically. Yeah, and then so uh, let's talk a little bit more about the legacy, just in music. Um, okay. Eminem has has crossed off. He's produced for Jay Z for a couple other people. Uh, what do you think about his his production? As far as him, Eminem, the producer. Mm. I, I honestly, I don't really think about it. <laughs> I, I think I think Eminem has like those dark, eerie type of beats that I'm not really. My ear doesn't really uh, gravitate to. to. Yeah, but I can I can respect it. Like I, I mean, I respect it. That's, it just doesn't have to be my cup of tea, if that makes sense. Here's my as much as I said I like Eminem over Jay Z. I I think there's only one Eminem beat I've ever like really really loved, and I hate to admit that. Like it's like it, for, his beats always seem to me like knock off Dr. Dre beats. Like that's just really what they felt like to me. And it's like I just want Dr. Dre at that point. I don't want yeah yeah that was, that was that was a great point because honestly what I did listen to is like you hear like the pianos and stuff like that that Dre exactly. would use, but it's like a b-side or like a, <laughs> a low level discount trade beat like you were saying so yeah i can agree with that <laughs> <laughs> and then i mean jay-z on the flip side uh, he doesn't produce but literally everything else in the right he's hell he's crossed over to managing uh athletes now jay-z's business prowess has not been matched by anyone other and as much as I know we're talking about rap, but the only <laughs> businessman as far as rap that's matched Jay-Z is 50 Cent. And he's not even close to what the businessman Jay-Z is. Oh, no. No. I mean, I'm a businessman. I'm not a, he's a, what, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think um, Jay's legacy is definitely, you know, cemented. Like, and I'm trying to keep it rap. Um, like you said, 13 number one albums. Like, you have classics. You have albums that could be considered classics because they've gotten better over time exactly. that's just my opinion like it's like you have jay-z albums and you can literally rank them in certain categories like oh i'll never revisit these or like even with the new 444 um something that kind of you know grown on me like now i will say this the internet and including myself like i like to troll so i'll get on the you know on twitter or something like that oh this album is a classic oh jay-z is god like you know just to yeah. you know rise out of people but I think that Jay-Z, he matured to a point, but these are things that other rappers have been saying all along. So it's not like, why why are we putting so much uh, praise on it? Like Nas said on Nas is Done, like uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the song with uh, DJ Khaled. He had a song like basically. Um, you're, on the you new know, on the new album? The, the, the uh, major key album. Oh. But either way, it's called Nas Done. But the thing is, he was talking about 
you know, investing in your own record company, investing in Bevel, which, you know, is a black-owned company and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Same stuff that Jay-Z is talking about on 444, and that was like a year and a half ago. Nobody said anything about that. That that was my point. Like, it just shows that people gravitate to more more towards what Jay Z is saying and what he's doing. Well, I also think like with a rapper like Nas, I think Nas he's been open as far as his own emotions for yeah. the better part of a decade. Jay Z's always kind of been guarded, so I think four 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 gets a little more acclaim because of how open he was on on that on that album. Now, like you said, a lot of the things he talked about, conscious rappers have been talking about for, for years and years and years. So yeah. he doesn't get credit for breaking any ground there. But for him, just if you look at it in the scope of just Jay-Z, it was mm-hmm. such a big jump from what we've gotten most of his career. And I think that's why, at least me trying to make sense of it, that may be why people are giving it so much acclaim. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's, it's Jay-Z. And that's that's the way it goes unfortunately but i mean like we're talking about rappers being open eminem has been very open about strange relationships with his his mom his wife kim or ex-wife kim oh man wife (laughs) ex-wife wife whatever they decide to be that week at the time or not not right now like him trying to raise Haley and you know all this stuff like he's always been an open book so that's what i can definitely appreciate about eminem and compared to jay-z yeah, and <laughs> let me let me ask you something about this, and I and this is just to get somebody else's mindset. Me and Andrew Bello, who's been on my podcast, I know you've heard him. You may have yeah. even interacted with him some on Twitter. You know, he he made the point that the stuff that Eminem did back then wouldn't really he wouldn't get away with now. Talking about killing his mother and stuff, and I have a different mindset on that only because nobody thought you would get away with that then. It's just the fact that he had the balls to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think that a lot of people gravitated towards that, even though it's weird to think about killing and raping your mom. But for the for the teenagers at the time who had issues with their parents, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to Eminem. He's talking about fuck his mother. Fuck you, too, mom. You grounded me last week. I think that's kind of why people gravitated towards it more. What, what are your thoughts on that aspect of Eminem? My, my thoughts on this, I think that I actually agree with Andrew because I'm going to say this. I think that it wouldn't fly in today's like climate because mm-hmm. everything's so hypersensitive. Like, and I'll give you a great example. Like Eminem always talks about, you know, rape and, you know, unfortunately just yeah. the, you know, the, the graphic, uh, you know, graphic aspect of it. Right. Remember in Rick Ross made that whole gesture about, you know, drop a pill in her drink. You and he know it. He insinuated. <laughs> you got a point. And he, you got he, a lost great point. Reebok, he lost a Reebok sponsorship for that. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay so that yeah was like, that was two three years ago at this point yeah and that wasn't even that bad of a line so there you it, go it wasn't it was not but that was things that and then like look at like Dave Chappelle like remember when the uh, Netflix stuff came out and he's making the jokes about the transsexuals and stuff like that and gay people yeah so sensitive and that's Eminem's lane like Eminem would go off on a tangent on stuff like that in 99 yeah <laughs> But if you're talking about 2017, I think things are just a little bit different. You're right. He would probably be completely crucified by that. Um, exactly. Oh, man. I wouldn't even want to see the parents and the, the glad and all that. Oh, man. <laughs> there would be somebody standing physically taking Eminem CDs out of kids' hands as they try to go to the store and buy them. Yeah. 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 Out of record stores, NWA style, stomping, you know, <laughs> just doing all that. I was like, oh, 
Here they go. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, so uh, we pretty much have talked about a lot of their career. Um, oh, the other thing, just as far as stats thing, I wanted to go over Grammys. So Eminem has 11 Grammys to Jay-Z's 10. Okay. Nine VMAs. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I thought that was kind of low, too. Nine VMAs to Jay-Z's five VMAs, which... Okay. And then um, one Oscar. Jay-Z has no Oscars. Okay. Now, the Oscar thing, I completely... I think that was for Lose Yourself. Okay, I, I was about to say, what's, like, where did he get an Oscar from? I was thinking, I was trying to think about that. I have to completely give that give into that as far as him being white. Because there's... I, I just... For real, and I'm sorry. As much as I love Eminem, like, how many black artists win Oscars? I think... Didn't um, Common and um, uh, John, John Legend. Legend, they won an Oscar for their song. Well, three six mafia one for. <laughs> oh yeah, three six. Oh god, how did I forget about that? But yeah, I struggle to think of any other rappers that have won Oscars at that level. But I, I like I said, I I have to give it up to Eminem being white. Like I'm sorry, because it's just yeah. <laughs> They have never paid attention to rapper biopics or rapper movies or anything like that before. Yeah. So why now? And but, Eight Mile was trash, but you know, I digress. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, and here's my thing: I I want to say that it wasn't, but I have not watched Eight Mile since I was in high school. So that just tells me right there, like it's just the battle scenes. That's all. Yeah. That's all we ever wanted to watch it for. That's yeah. all. That's all. The movie's horrible. Ah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that that movie probably wasn't all that good. Not as good as I thought it was back then. But he, he <laughs> so as far as the battle culture, mm-hmm. did, do you give that like as far as did Eminem reinvigorate that for for a minute? Because I feel like, or maybe it was just me coming of age around that time. But I feel like I didn't really see a lot of people battling. It's like after Eight Mile came out, we had people battling on our lunch break at school all the goddamn time. It was just like, okay, wow. I would say that I would say that yeah, Eight Mile probably put a fire into the battle culture that was. I mean, the battle culture never really went anywhere, but it's always been an underground. And I think you know, I think the Smack DVD stuff started right after that too. Yeah, I want to say yeah. So I would say yeah. I can. I'll, I'll give. I'll give uh, Eminem credit for that or kudos for that. I can see that. All right. Well, I mean, we we basically broke down their career. Everyone, let me know what you think. Get at me uh, at CEO Hayes on Twitter. Uh, this is like I said, we 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 can't definitively name anything here. It's all about being subjective. So I want to hear how all you guys feel about it. Um, I got a couple more things I'm gonna ask Ralph about before I let him go, though. Okay. Me and you share a love for Slaughterhouse, which we we I, I learned just hearing your podcast and us talking over Twitter. Yeah. Royce the five nine, uh huh. Does it not frustrate you that his career isn't bigger than what it is? Just personally, for me, because I enjoy the guy so much, and I just yeah. think that his whole career would be different if he didn't decide to leave Eminem before he got his deal. Yeah, it does frustrate me because Royce is a talent, a true talent. Um, I, I I'll be honest, I haven't gotten into Boris and Four like I should have. Uh, but Layers, the last album, was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I hate that him and Eminem had that falling out. And, you know, his verses got taken off Renegade because, you know, I mean, unfortunately, the song got, you know, bigger after Jay-Z got on it. Jay-Z is an opportunist. I want to say that really quick. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jay is a, you know, a very opportunistic guy. He'll jump on songs with anybody. Like, he got, I'll never forget when he did that song with Juvenile. 
before we knew who Juvenile was, that's how I know Jay-Z was an opportunist. <laughs> but, uh, but to answer your question, yes, Royce is a true talent. Like, he has, like, personality, too. And I think that's one, one thing that would have definitely carried him to, like, you know, being, like, a very well-mainstream type of guy. But he definitely has the wit and, the you know, the bars and everything. Like, he's a total package type of rapper, and I can appreciate him. Absolutely. Like you said, and, and more so because I, now that I, as I get older, I respect people more for, like, necessarily what, what I see them do outside of rap. And if you Ooh. ever sit down and hear Royce 5'9 just talk, the dude yeah. is smart as hell. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Intelligence on a whole nother level. Like I would, he's one of those people I would like to just sit down one day and not even necessarily talk about his music. Just pick his brain. Cause the dude yeah. is, is hyper intelligent. Slaughterhouse. I, I, I said this on Twitter and I want to say this now. I want to go on wax saying this. There okay. will never be another collection of lyricists on Slaughterhouse's level ever again. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> now now I remember us having the back and forth on Twitter about the Wu Tang Slaughterhouse thing. Now that wasn't my question; that was Johnny's question. My uh, my podcast, bro. He 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 poised the question, but it's hard to really have that that like a definitive answer because yeah. they're cross generational. Exactly. And then obviously, you know, Slaughterhouse takes their inspiration from Wu Tang. Yeah. So it's hard to say that the 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 master. I mean the son. I mean the the student is better than the master. Exactly, and the thing when I say that Solid House is the better lyricist, I don't think that they're the better group only because of what Wu Tang was able to do. Yeah. Um, but I I still think if the, if Wu Tang would have been ten years, I don't even think they necessarily had to be in the early nineties. If you would have just put them around that that early two thousands era, I think would have been completely different for them. Um, they just happened to come together, and and I mean that first album is really good, but they weren't on a major label. They just yeah. it, it they came and got that major label deal at a time where hip hop was going towards the Drake. Yeah. And so yeah. that yeah, it, that's what kind of messed them up. It just Slaughterhouse should have been in G Unit spot because they're a way better group than G Unit in my opinion. <laughs> I like your hot takes, man. Yes. <laughs> like I mean that is very true. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I don't even want to get started on, on the whole G unit thing. Yeah. But all right, I, I promise you I wouldn't have kept you too long. So I want to get into the, the question uh that I'm gonna start asking everyone on the cipher. Look get some people to know a little bit more about your musical taste. If you okay. had to pick Five songs to go on the, the track list of your life. Okay. Any genre, what would you pick? Uh, I have, I, I want to say definitely, um, I want to say one is uh, Joe Budden is uh, Pray For Me. Ooh. It's a song where he's going back and forth, where he's uh, he's praying to God about certain things. I know, I know the song very well. Yeah. I, I like that song. That's like, you know, I think we all have our our, our struggles and I'm not, you know, going to say if you subscribe to God or whatever the God is that you subscribe to, I know that you have a daily dilemma and you always question about where the, you know, where you're at and what, you know, why are things happening to you? So I think that's a good song that I've gravitated towards. Um, I'll even, I'll even pick a, uh, John Mayer, uh, waiting on the world to change. I want to show people my range, <laughs> <laughs> rap and stuff. Um, with, I would definitely pick Jay Z Allure just because that the beat does something to me. Kind of like kind of 
kind of makes me mellow. Okay. And I just I can just really vibe with it. Um Randall, uh pick a gospel song too. Um I'll say Fred Hammond, Be Encouraged. That's a song that really, you know, lifts my spirits. Like if anything, like I always look for stuff to kind of like just make me feel better. So I'll I'll go to songs like that. And mm-hmm. I'll say number five, <laughs> Sounds of Blackness. <laughs> Optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> We t- I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> that song was been on my brain for like the past week or so because we talked about that on the podcast last week. Uh, optimistic, just being a song that kind of lifts your spirit. So, and I can listen to it no matter when, no matter the time of day, no matter what I'm going through. I can put that on. Let's go. <laughs> See, in my song like that is uh, Marvin Gaye. Gotta give it up. It's my uh-huh. all-time favorite song ever. It doesn't matter. You can put that song at any time. I, that's that's my song. Like I don't know why I gravitate towards that song so much. And uh Cruising, Smokey Robinson is on okay. there too. Um Damn. I just I did my own question. I should have thought about it. Um <laughs> I I'll, I'll address the rest at a later date in time. Let me it's, it's not about me. But yeah, those are those are my two songs that immediately they always come on. I could listen to those two songs anytime any day. Um, but you mentioned your podcast as we go ahead and get ready to end this cypher segment i want to thank you for uh for joining me for it but tell the people where they can find you and tell them a little bit about your podcast too okay sure uh well you can follow me on twitter at the mind of ralph um also on instagram at that name too uh the actual twitter handle for my uh well let me say my uh podcast oversaturated the podcast uh me and my brother johnny we just discussed uh music movies and pop culture on there uh we're kind of uh conceptualize a few things like we might talk about one thing one week music uh one week movies this week so uh you kind of get a different uh, feel for us when you talk when you listen to our podcast uh we're relatively new uh we're uh 11 episodes in right now we're on uh apple podcast soundcloud uh google play and TuneIn radio um the twitter handle is oversat podcast on twitter so check us out on there Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we already talked. We're gonna be working a little more some on some stuff that we've oh, yeah. talked about. So you guys will be hearing Ralph again. Ralph again, thank you for joining me. All right, appreciate you, man. All right, now that was a fun cipher. Thank you again to Ralph from Oversaturated the Podcast. Definitely check those guys out. I know I said that at the opening of the show. Definitely check them out. We're getting ready to get into the meat and potatoes. Um, not to say that I mean this this whole podcast is kind of meat and potatoes, but you know, this is the segment that leaves something to think, something to talk about. Again, I guess that's kind of the whole podcast itself. So, you know, it's the waking soul, baby. We're going to get ready to get into the Stay Woke segment with my good friend, Andrew Bello. Let's go ahead and get into that. Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Stay This is the Stay Woke segment of the Awakened Soul Podcast. We have uh, my my usual co-defendant, as I'm going to start labeling him, uh, the voice that makes the ladies moist, another nickname that I gave him. It is the Andrew Bellow in the building. What's going on, Andrew? Yeah, I'm going to be Mr. Woke from now on, or the Woken One, or something <laughs> along those lines. This this segment, I hope, will ultimately just be synonymous with the, the Andrew Bellow brand at some point down the road. <laughs> I'm sure, man. I'm sure. It, it's it's probably going to get us both on some uh, 
some radars with the federal government at some point. They're just going to start. And we have to watch out for those two bastards when they get together because no telling what the hell they do. Us and Billy Ray Valentine are definitely on some type of list somewhere. Oh, Billy Ray, most (laughs) definitely on several lists. I have no doubt. (laughs) But we are here today to talk about uh, President Trump. Uh, you know, pulling back on DACA, and for anyone who doesn't know what DACA is, if I'm, I don't even know if that's how everyone pronounces it. This is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, you know, it, this has been making a big fuss on both sides of the political spectrum. Uh, some Republicans even, you know, have some issue with Trump over, over this. And, you know, me and you both, we both listened to Ben Shapiro, which, you know, he did a great job laying out the basis of it on, on his podcast. And I don't really want to go uh, redo a lot of what he said there. But, you know, I mean, there is a lot of things to speak on there. Um, just overall, what are your thoughts on President Trump, you know, him bringing back on this DACA program? Yeah, well, I think it's important for people to know that he didn't really I mean, yes, he stopped DACA as far as future applications, but it's not as if like he waved a magic wand and now 800,000 people are going to be deported. There's exactly. Yeah, there's a six month period of time where Congress now has a window to try to come up with some sort of legislation to enact this legally, uh, because frankly, DACA was never really a legal or permanent legislation. It was an executive order uh, that, that, that affected immigration policy, which is something that the president can't do um, at least on a long-term basis, unilaterally. Um, so, it, and from the very beginning, I mean, even in the name, it's the deferred action for childhood arrivals. So it was never permanent to begin with. It actually was supposed to have an expiration date. And President Trump, weirdly enough, actually extended that six months as opposed to him pulling back on it, which is what you'd believe if you're reading the news. Yeah, and I mean, that that's what... And that's the purpose of the segment, is to make and bring awareness to things other than just what what's put out on the news because a lot of people have adopted this mindset now that that means that Trump is automatically deporting all these people, which he's not. He's even come out on social media, I think, and said he won't be necessarily deporting anyone who's already underneath that program. So right now it's more of a just, we're not accepting any more applications. We're giving Congress a time to, to make something an actual law. And that is what the biggest, the, the overall idea behind this is, is that our immigration policies suck. So if it's going to force any form of government to get something more concrete and more of a law in place, the more power to them. Now, I mean, there are issues to be had with the way that this has gone down, but we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll unpack that as we get further along into this. Where do you stand right now on your opinion of, of DACA and more? Uh, so the larger pro- problem of immigration into our country. Um, all right. Well, as typically is the case, I'm actually very right of even president Trump on this one. Like I'm, I'm, personally all for deporting every one of the 800,000 people that are here if we can't come up with some system for quick legalization and citizenship or some means of vetting all of these people and coming up with a fast track if you will to get them in here and be legalized citizens now i will say that the citizenship process while it's not the most impossible thing it's very convoluted and very uh, long and arduous process i have a close friend of mine who works with me who is a dreamer And he stands to lose a lot of things here with this program ending or with the potential of him being deported or whatever the case may be. Uh, One of these situations that I I like to think that I I can look at most political uh, situations like this is that you got to remove your emotions from the situation. Like my, you know, your rights don't 
end where somebody else's feelings begin and the law does not care about your feelings. And while it really would suck for all of these people to be picked up and, and moved back to their native country, a country that they don't really even know, they might not even speak the language of. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, with this type of situation, I look at it from if me and my kid snuck into Six Flags Great Adventure to go to the park for the day and I got caught, she doesn't get to stay. Like, that's not how these types of trespassing laws or in this case, it's, you know, trespassing on a countrywide scale where you entered the country illegally. And, you know, while it may not have been your fault, it's also not the fault of the you know people who did it the right way or the people who were here prior and the law of the land is that if you're not a citizen, you don't necessarily belong here unless you have other paperwork visas or whatever the case may be. So um, President Trump is, is showing some compassion here for these people, which I think is a noble thing and, and, you know, something I wish I could do realistically because I just I can't at the end of the day, there's you know, whether it was their fault or not. A law was broken and people are here that should not be. So at the end of the day, while it, it'll suck for my friend, it'll suck for all 800,000 dreamers. I would like to see a solution where we could fast track all of these people, give them citizenship, and then deal with the other 11 plus million illegals that are here that it was their fault that they came here and they weren't you know, brought over here as children. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, the law is the law. And you know, despite the fact that President Obama deferred the action on it for a period of time, ultimately rent comes due. And uh, unfortunately, you know, that might be the case for some of these people. Well, and, and to, to bring kind of some some of that home is that um, a lot of a lot of the dreamers that are in this policy are contributing to our country, whether it's seeking degrees. And ultimately, there a lot of them are doing things that may end up bettering our country. So I do I do think an evaluation needs to be had, taken an account for those people and maybe do something to where they can work towards becoming, you know, naturalized citizens. But. You know, I don't want to adopt the thinking of, OK, the immigrants, they just need to go. And and that's where, you know, some of the extremists are taking this. And a lot of people, like I said, on the other side are taking this whole pullback on, on DAC as being, OK, now we're just deporting 800,000 people, which is not happening at all. So, you know, I want to ask you then this is. For the, the ones, the dreamers that are here that are either working to help our country, working towards a degree, doing something that ultimately can be help better America. What and this is way outside of our warehouse because we're not politicians. We don't make laws. But would you also like to see something done to at least keep them as long as they stay going that path to where they're ultimately helping America? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Like I want the people that are here and that are productive and that are seeking to better themselves and uh, and the life for their families like that's America. Right. Like that's what we're all about. And we definitely want those people here. Um, now, we would have preferred that they come in and fill out the paperwork on their way in. But they were kids. And, you know, whatever the case may be, if we could somehow find a way to go through these 800,000 dreamers and vet them and determine which ones are productive and which ones are not. Yeah. Like, let's fast track the ones that are productive to citizenship. My friend at work. Uh, absolutely is as productive and, uh, you know, well served a citizen of this country as anybody else. Um, he, he pays his taxes. He goes to school. He, you know, does the right thing. He's, he's a, a polite, upstanding, well-educated, or at least attempting to be individual. I, I would love for him and people like himself to be able to stay. Um, another, you know, sort of thing that I hear on the news though, is, uh, it, it's all these people are being labeled as like kids 
we're talking like the average dreamer's age is like 25 years old. So these are not like 10 year old kids that are going to be out on the streets of Juarez, Mexico, trying to fend for themselves. Like these are adults for the most part um, that, you know, it, it, at this point, if they haven't become some sort of productive member of, of the United States society, like, yeah, let's let's deport them. But let's absolutely keep the ones that are productive. I don't know by which metric we measure that, but I'm sure there's a one there's one that we could come up with where we could all look at that particular sit uh, particular individual and say okay this person is at least a net plus for the u.s let's keep them here exactly and i I think that you know anyone who has an issue with that i think really isn't taking um the full picture because i mean is as much positive that is coming from a lot of the dreamers a lot of people under that program there is a negative side to that too there have been dreamers who have gone and broke the law who who have had cause issue in america and and i definitely think there needs to be some way to police that if possible i hope that we can reach that but to move on from that i want to ask you now it's me and you we both listen to ben shapiro and and even more so outside of just him it's been speculated that this trump doing this is really a way for for congress to reach a deal to to legalize something with immigration but ultimately maybe to help him get funding for the wall because he can he, he'll come to agreement with them on this immigration deal do you do you believe in that do you buy into that is this trump ultimately playing chess where a lot of people are just seeing the checkers on the board yeah or as a uh, shapiro would call it nine ninety dimensional hungry hungry hippos i believe <laughs> but yeah he uh I think there is an element of Trump supporters that think that he's like this super freakazoid genius that has conquered the world through time travel and all that other stuff. Like, I'm I'm not quite there. Uh, I think he's a brilliant businessman. I think that there is an element of a chess game to be played here. I would say not necessarily with DACA, but more with the debt ceiling situation that just occurred. Is Absolutely. he playing a little bit of 4D chess there? Uh, he'll let the Dems have their thing here. And then when he goes three months from now to try to come up with a better system for the debt ceiling and try to get funding for the wall, he'll be able to say to them, look, like we were in the middle of hurricane crisis. You guys were looking to play political games and I just signed the legislation that went ahead and got the money where it needed to go. So he'll have that to play off of. I think with the DACA thing, um, if it is some sort of chess move on his part, it's this. Um, You get all of these left wing or mainstream media people out there talking about these children should not be held accountable for the crimes of their parents. These people need to be very careful about how they word these things, because a month from now, when he passes the Dream Act and he goes to deport all of their parents, because it is their fault, based on the words of all the media and all the left and all the Democrats, now you're going to have no nothing but yourselves to blame for that. And I think if if at all this is a chess move, it's to get people on the left or even in the middle to come to grips with the fact that these other people that are here illegally are in fact here illegally and and that is something that should be dealt with legally so um if it's a chess move at all that's that's the play but i don't think that that's necessarily what's going on here i think he's unfortunately from my perspective anyway softening up to the democrats a little bit here because the republicans aren't playing ball and i i can't say i blame him because paul ryan and mitch mcconnell have been very ineffective in their roles in trying to pass legislation with a dominated a republican dominated congress I, I I don't know that Trump's making a big chess move here. I'd like to think he is, but I don't think so in this particular case. Well, and, and that's one of the things. And, you know, this is a, a pill behind the curtain of some of the conversations me and you have off air is that when this whole when Trump got elected and the whole uproar 
What do you remember? One of the first things I texted you about, about when I found out you were a Trump supporter because I don't even think I knew right away. Do you remember one of the first things I texted you? I don't. No, I said I said that for all my problems with Trump is that Republicans owning the House and him being Republican, this he could be the first president in quite a while to make some significant change. And that was if I was looking forward to anything, which with Trump being in office, that's one of the things I was hoping for. But it doesn't seem like that's really coming to fruition. It, it, Trump is really and you know, for all the, the talk of everyone worrying about who's really behind, who's pulling the strings behind Trump, when you kind of step back and look at it for what it is, he's really he's he's pissed off people on both sides. So forever for whatever's that that's worth. But ultimately, Trump is going to make moves. And I, and I truly believe that. Are there going to be moves that I agree with? I'm sure I'm not going to agree with all of them. But I think he's definitely going to be the, the, the president who doesn't really play pity pat with everyone like some of the other presidents have done. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people give credence to the fact that he was the Republican candidate, and so he must be a Republican. That like couldn't be farther from the truth. He was a Democrat up until about 15 minutes ago. He just happened to win the Demo- the Republican nomination because it was much easier for him to do that than to try to take over the Clinton machine, which he was ultimately able to do anyway. Um, but the Republicans have no interest in seeing Donald Trump succeed as president because everything that he does positively is just a discredit to the Republican Party and their complete uselessness over the last, I don't know, 20 years at an absolute minimum. Um, if he could just come in and steamroll all of their top contenders for the presidential nominee, beat the Clintons, take the White House and then succeed, it just proves once and for all how useless the Republican Party was. And I think a lot of people are still looking at party lines like this is the great divide here. There's definitely divisions and strong ones within each party at this point. Uh, You have on the right, you have the diehard like Ben Shapiro-esque conservatives or the Freedom Caucus type people. You have the the diehard doesn't care what he does, Trump people that will always support him. And then you have the Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, more conventional Republican people. On the left, you've got – Anyone from moderate, reasonable people like Tulsi Gabbard all the way out to people that refuse to denounce Antifa. So there's like a pretty wide spectrum on both sides here. And Trump doesn't fall into any of them because on any given day he could wake up, read something, hear some new information, whatever the case may be. And instead of going, hmm, what does my party think I should say here? He just says whatever he wants to say. And it might be good. It might be bad. It might be brash. But it's Trump. And that's what that's what you're getting, at least is, is a stream of consciousness presidency here, essentially. Yeah, that's that's very true for, for better or worse there. Um, let's get by the way, by the way, someone needs to seriously take Trump's Twitter away because it is as is, is much as I love the fact that he's not he doesn't bite his tongue in any media at all. I think that a lot of it is being used it's being twisted by both sides of the of the political spectrum as far as stuff that he tweets out and i i don't know i have i have my issues there i get my kicks out of trump's twitter but sometimes i just wish that you know he didn't tweet certain things out but you know that that's the nature of social media but to get back on on this whole daca thing um the former homeland security secretary janet and i'm going to murder her last name not napa latina whatever 
Janet. That's what we're going to call her. <laughs> if you know how to say it better than me, say Napolitano. It. Napolitano. There you go. See, there it is. That's why I have you here on the Awakened Souls. You help pick <laughs> shit up like that. But I'm um, Italian, man. I got that. <laughs> but I lived in Italy like most of my life. You would think that I would know how to pronounce that. But <laughs> that's true. Shame on you. <laughs> but um, so she's suing Donald Trump. Um, basically to try to save this DACA program, which she did help create. I ultimately don't think this is going to go anywhere. I think this is just more headlines here, but have you heard about this before I mentioned it? And if you have, what are your thoughts on that? I have not, but I've heard about lawsuits, everything from people suing Trump for blocking him on Twitter, suing Ivanka for making clothes that are too nice and actually fit well and aren't overpriced. Like there's just all these bad shit lawsuits out here. This is something I was actually talking to a group of people the other day about, uh, and this is going to go way off topic, but a much more meta topic. The woman who sued McDonald's for the hot coffee cup is going to go down in history as the downfall of Western civilization, because like everybody sues over every little thing, no matter how wrong they were in their situation. The fact that people think they could sue the president to keep legislation that wasn't (laughs) really legislation in place. Mind boggling, like people find jobs find hobbies that stop trolling our president on Twitter, even though I, I am with you. I'm starting to lean more towards they should take the Twitter away from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or at least have like like two layers of people who need to just review anything he decides to tweet. Yeah, like. I just give it to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She seems to be a fairly reasonable filter for his thoughts and his agenda. Uh, I would just give it to her and let her if she feels the need to troll, you know, what what's his face? Jim Acosta on CNN. Cool. Go for it. No one's going to blame you there. He's a troll. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, like, that, you know, that, that's what you're getting with Trump. And unfortunately for him, the big one is like the retweets at two in the morning. Like he retweeted a picture oh, man. Yeah. of the of the Hillary Clinton book that says like Hillary Clinton, what happened? And next to it was another alternate cover of, with a picture of him on it that just says I happened. <laughs> like th- that's the stuff he needs to lay off of. And I, I, while I think it's hysterical, don't get me wrong. And I like to see a president who's like a normal human being and has a sense of humor. And Obama was like that too i don't think trump's the first one um you know it, if you're going to be putting it out on the official at potus 45 account it needs to be serious and related to the presidency yeah and i mean like you said i mean twitter has only really been a, a a huge thing for these last two presidents could you imagine some of the shit bill clinton would have tweeted out if he had twitter back then oh it would have given him a, all of a minute before he, he tweeted out a dick pic let's get it <laughs> Oh, Bill Clinton would have been in the DMs very regularly. Like, right? Oh my God! How many? How many? Uh, like random women would be like President Clinton slid into my DMs. Oh my God! And they. <laughs> oh man, let's just let's just stop there because I'm sure some people are getting upset by that. But yeah, Bill Clinton would have definitely it would have went down in the DMs probably five times a day with President Clinton. But um, to get back to this lawsuit, um. <laughs> The lawsuit says that Trump has harmed thousands of undocumented students who attendance at their universities is made possible by the work permits that they received through DACA and that ending the program would ne- negatively affect the university system. Okay, so I have I already, I already have and, and this will be a stay woke segment at one point because I have my issues with the university and our college system here in the United States in general. And I'm sure I'm going to piss a lot of people off when I decide to finally go into that. But you know, to, to take this, and like you said, something that was never really law and to say that it's going to negatively affect our university system. To me, if our university system gets completely screwed up by us taking 
all people by all accounts let's just be real people who are here illegally out of the system which is not going to happen they're not going to everyone's not going to automatically disappear from the university system but if they were to and that was to completely throw our university system a screw a screw i have to say that's just tells you right there that there's some faults with the way that that system's built up what do you what do you hearing that what do you think yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, I have my issues with our, our educational system as well as particularly our higher learning educational system exactly. in this country um, or supposed higher learning anyway. But yeah, I mean, exactly right. Like if this is something that you're contingent upon, your existence is contingent upon these people who, again, they should not I mean, it's so hard to say these things out loud because people definitely want to judge you and and think of certain, you know, hatred, whatever the case may be. But like they don't belong here. These people were never supposed to be here by all census numbers. Right. Like as far as the books are going, these they, they never filled out paperwork. They just sort of walked in. All of a sudden they just appeared as a number in a system somewhere because they were given some sort of uh, relief from all of this. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was never real legislation. It was always temporary. And I think it was always designed to kind of keep these and this is you know my my tinfoil hat here. It was always sort of designed to keep these people indebted to the Democratic Party, and that like obviously they would always want to vote for the party that that is keeping them here. But as long as it wasn't made permanent, they'll always feel that need to to give back in some way to the Democratic Party, whether it be through donations or votes, even though most of them aren't legally registered to vote. That doesn't obviously stop people all the time. Um, so you know, by making it permanent. And clearing all these dreamers and just kind of setting everything back to square one, I, I think that's the best solution. And I think that there's a lot of that that could be done in our government is that if we could kind of set everything back to a blank slate and start looking at it from how 2017 should handle it rather than how 1776 would handle it. Um, you know, it, it's not always going to be identical. A lot of cases it probably should and would be. But, you know, if we can kind of go back to the dreamers are now legal, let's deal with the people that are actually illegal. Maybe we deport them. Maybe we don't. But it at least compartmentalizes the issues to the point to where it should be a little bit easier to manage. Exactly. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And, you know, we'll see as this continues and moves forward. We'll see where it ends up going. I'm sure this isn't going to be the last, at least on this podcast that I that we talk about what what's coming of this DACA situation, because um, it's, it's it's not over yet or over the next six months. Like I said, I'm going to be giving status updates on it periodically. And more importantly, what I, what I do want to say here is that for anyone who is standing on their horse and now, you know, because I, I see the tweets, I, I see the posts on social media of uh, America was built on immigrants. We, we would have never been in America if if the Indians would have uh, accepted a policy like this of not no one saying not to allow immigrants into our country. Yeah. I don't. It's all about doing it the right way going through the correct channels to do it and you know i think that a lot of that is getting missed in the emotions that everyone is attaching to the situation everyone hears a it's trump involved which automatically elicits an emotional response at a a big portion of the country and on top of that you know you hear just the fact that these these kids which as you pointed out aren't necessarily all children a lot of these people are adults now um are may may be sent back which i don't I still don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen. So let's just calm down. Let's let's talk about the facts as what they are. And please, people, please stop tweeting out or just not buying into the all of a sudden Trump's against immigrants. That's not he wants 
tougher immigration laws, which, you know, that's his policy, whether I agree with it or not. But he actually just wants the current ones enforced for for, for the record. Just throwing it, it out. Well, <laughs> no, and you're and you're right. You're right. He does want the one the current ones enforced, which for decades have kind of been loose to, to a certain extent. So, yeah, let, let's let's wait it out. Let's see what ends up happening for. It. And then by all means, if Trump decides, OK, we're going to start sending all these dreamers back. OK, then you have the facts. That's what's happening. Let, let's raise arms. But as of, as it stands right now, say up to date on the facts. Andrew, anything else you want to say before we go ahead and end this segment? No, I don't have a whole lot. But for those of you who have enjoyed all of my my comments on here about President Trump and think I am a fairly reasonable voice, should the White House extend an, ex- an invitation for me to be the press secretary, I might take it. So like, go ahead and get that word out there to whoever you need to tweet at the government and let's make that happen because I, I, I honestly – Trump is very misunderstood across the board. Now, I may be doing all the spinning in the world to try to do doing all the mental gymnastics to make it appear like he's this great president. But at the end of the day, he's not nearly as evil as people like to think he is. He's not nearly as brilliant as people like to think he is. He's somewhere in the middle, which is great. He's a representation of all of us in that way. Um, but you know that that's why I've always been on the bandwagon, and I, you know, I'm in that camp. I will probably always be until he does something like try to put, you know, people in gulags or whatever the case may be. <laughs> uh, so you know, and uh, yeah, I, I, that that's just where I'm coming from. It's just I'm aware of my bias. Be aware of yours. Be aware of the media outlets that you're taking on, and listen to the awakened soul and stay woke. Thank you, thank you for that. And I and I will say this. I am not necessarily pro-Trump. I've made that clear throughout this podcast, even though people still like to email me and, and say, I don't see how you support Trump, which I've never said. But I fully and I will stand on this and send me all the hate mail you want. Trump is better than Hillary Clinton. Like, I, I'm sorry. Hillary Clinton. Now, if we if we were talking about Sanders. OK, I can get behind Bernie Sanders. But once it became Hillary versus Trump, which I still voted for Hillary, which we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. But it's just Hillary and the stuff that's come out about her since the election and how she's handling this stuff. I'm so disgusted with that woman. Um, but that that's a podcast for another day. Andrew, thank you, as always, for coming into what may be hostile territory, which it's really not because it's, no. it's me and you. You you always know. I respect how you feel at all times. Uh, hopefully you haven't got any hate mail yet from the Awakened Soul listeners. But you know what? Oh, well, sadly, I have not. But should you feel the need <laughs> at the Andrew Bellow on Twitter and at WWP and Bellow on Twitter for wrestling chatter, you could you feel free to talk politics there as well. I try to keep it off of there, but. I, I can't resist. Sometimes I just see stupid comments and I hit that reply button faster than my brain can stop me. <laughs> Fair enough. Andrew, thank you for coming on the Awakened Soul. Thank you for always blessing us with your intellect and your point of views. Ladies and gentlemen, moving on, we're getting ready to go into another special interview for CEO Hayes. I, I enjoyed this doing this one. Uh, definitely check it out when we come on the other side of that. That's it. This is our last segment. I'm going to tell the people goodbye and good night after that. And go ahead and send you guys on your way. But we're getting ready to get into a special interview. Check this one. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. Not saying that our sons are less important. Uh, 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 uh. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. All right, listeners of the Awakened Soul, I got yet another special interview this week and this time it's it's a i'm surrounded by 
the most beautiful young ladies to ever step foot in this in this planet. Uh, I want to let them tell you who they are. Go ahead, baby. Um, my name is Amaya, and I like pizza. <laughs> And I also like Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> and who who are you? Who are, are you? My daughter. Yeah. How old are you? Nine. You're nine. All right. And the the second wonderful young lady for this interview is uh, Alana. Alana, my Helen, as I call you, is your middle name. <laughs> Tell the people a little bit about you. So I love to go to school. And I like to play with my friends. I like to go bowling, and I like to go play Minecraft with my sister. I'm six years old. <laughs> All right, girlies. Um, so come here. So I uh, I have a few questions for you guys. I'm not gonna keep you long because I know you guys got stuff to do, and you're important young ladies. Be close to the mic. Okay. And so the first question I have for you, Maya, I'm gonna let you answer first because you're older. What's the hardest part about being my daughter? Uh, taking care of Alan. Taking care of Alan? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it so hard taking care of your little brother? Number one, he do too much. <laughs> Number two, he gets on my nerve. My last one. And number three, repeat. Repeat, <laughs> Lana. What's the hardest thing for you about being my daughter? It's my because he keeps on yelling at me, and I keeps on hitting at me. Well, your older sister does yell at you a lot, which we need to talk about because she's so mean and ornery. She acts like me, but um, okay. What's the what's the best part about being my daughter? You. Go ahead, Lala. You can go um, first. The best part being as a daughter is about family. Is our family? We got an awesome family, don't we? That's one of the things your brother said too when I interviewed him. Is talking about how great our family is. <laughs> yeah, I heard. You heard? <laughs> <laughs> our family is great, though. That's think, the whole point. I think I heard him too. You think you heard him too? All right, Maya. What about you? What's the best thing? Come closer. Um, the best thing is that we do a lot of things. And sometimes, although you're sometimes when you're mad, we still do the things that you don't want to do. Well, that's part of being a parent. Is we, I always have to do things even when I don't want to do them. But no, I mean, overall, it's all about making you guys happy. I want you guys to have the best childhood possible. Um, and I like spoiling you guys as much as much and as difficult as you guys can be sometimes. I enjoy spoiling you. You spend all my money specifically. You're the biggest money freaking drain in the whole family. Like, it's ridiculous, Amaya. Hair, shoes, outfits. <laughs> and dolls. And dolls, yeah. Like, come ah! on. Man. Okay, come back, come back, come back. All right, so you guys just started school. Dang it, you. Lana, you go through cell phones like nobody's <laughs> business. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> What, what what do you like about about starting school so far? How's school been going? Very exciting and very nice to me. And very nice. She says it's very exciting. Come here, oh, Maya. What about you? Shocking. What about you? What's the best thing about school so far? I get to 
don't know. Be a bum? No. <laughs> See? Lana, Lana, jeez. Um, okay, we'll move on since you guys, everybody always cops out of the, the easy question. So, um, <laughs> Maya, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Something specific about you. Daddy teaches you how to fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, come here, come here, because you abuse the fact that I teach you how to fight because you like beating up boys older than you for some reason when you're supposed to be at church to get together. It's like, <laughs> I didn't teach you to fight so you can be a bully. I taught you to fight so you could defend yourself. Why do you, why why do you use the power that I gave you the wrong way? Because I like it. Because you like fighting. Yeah. Is that you think girls are supposed to like to fight? Hey 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 hey! Focus. Stop stop hitting your sister. See? But um, no. So you and you know you know Daddy doesn't play when it comes to his girls, right? Right. Yeah. That's why I taught you how to fight. Cause yeah. the, I I don't even worry about it. Like I know if any anybody your age tries to fight you, you got it. Like, cause you throw them hands, you punch harder than me sometimes. Like it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But okay, so something more personal about you. What's what's your favorite thing in the whole wide world? Um, I have no clue. You have no clue? Cause you like doing everything. Cause that's why you like spending money. Cause you just literally like to do everything. Dolls. <laughs> Okay, Shut so up. just as as the last question, then we'll move on to Lana. Okay. How do you what? How does Daddy show you he loves you? How do you know that Daddy loves you as much as he does? Attention. Uh huh. And he saves time for me and Alana, and he also has a lot of patience. Yeah, that's one thing I learned about having girls is that I had to have more patience with you guys than I did with Xavier when he was little. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Exactly. To be honest, Alan's the one that everyone needs the most patience. Patience with. It's just yeah. patience. Yeah, he's, Alan. He's so annoying. You know, your little brother is going to get old enough to hear this one day. And he's going to be like, oh, wow, this is how they thought about me when I was younger. <laughs> then you're going to have to explain that to him. Okay. <laughs> you don't I care, don't, do you? I don't want to do it to You me. don't want to do it? All right. All right. Well, thank you for spending time to do this interview. You acted a little scared, though. <laughs> All right, come on, Lana. Come on. All right, baby girl. What's your favorite thing to do in the world? Absolutely play Minecraft and do dinosaur stuff. You love dinosaurs, don't she you? She acts like one too. Yeah, I know you Isn't act like dragons. A dragons and dinosaurs. I don't. I don't think I've ever known another little girl to love dinosaurs like you have. But that, that's well, fine. I do like girl stuff versus Hatchimals and unicorns. And unicorns? Yes. Oh, okay. Hey, that's my love. Pink <laughs> unicorns. That's <laughs> Shut up. All right. Okay. So, hey, Dad, look, we passed that. I know, but okay. <laughs> so, what is? Oh, how do you know Daddy loves you? How does Daddy show he loves you? He hugs me. Oh. Even, he even likes to play with us on Uno. I like beating you, Uno. <laughs> but I actually came in third place. Don't you ain't gotta expose me the fact that I came in last last time. You don't gotta honest, do that. Daddy always wins at the old house at the old old house. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so strong. Uh, all right. Well, thank you both for spending time there. Okay, come here. So, if there's anything you guys want to say before we stop recording, what is it? If there's anything you could tell the world, what would it be? I can do a handstand. Well, there you go, world. She can do a handstand. What about you, Lala? 
I can kind of do a handstand. No, you can't. That's a plain fat lie. What's the one thing you <laughs> want to tell the world? I don't really know. You don't know? Well, we'll have to come back for another episode. I love you guys. Thank you, too. Give me kisses. All right. All right. That is the Awakened Soul. Thank you guys for joining me. As always, you know, I love having these podcasts. I love the interaction. Reach out to me at CEO Hayes on Twitter. You can check me out um, and send me emails, feedback, questions, um, topics, anything you'd like to hear discussed. Speaking of those questions, I'm working on it. We're going to have the the whole, all the relationship and other questions that have come into me. I got a special, special thing plan for them i finally got that formulated you guys are probably gonna get most of those questions answered maybe on one or two podcasts but check that out for sure but go to theawakensoulpod at gmail.com to send me any feedback any topics you'd like to hear discussed anything also leave a review on itunes or wherever you find this podcast out this whole journey is just it's 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 amazing thank you guys thank you for everyone who's been a part of this who continues to be a part of this Adios until tomorrow, my friends. The Awakened Soul, a podcast brought to you from the mind of CEO Hayes.